You're listening to Conversations with Cal, the official podcast of the Sydney Swans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Cal, the official podcast of the Sydney Swans. My name is Callum Sinclair. I'm your host and a big thank you to QBE for sponsoring the podcast. Once again, 34 years in partnership. Thank you guys for sticking with us thick and thin, particularly through what is a, a very, very difficult time for us all. But speaking to, of, um, speaking to a very, very lovely lady today, I'm very, very excited to get her on. I, I, I have grown up... Uh, Potentially, she could be a second mum to a lot of us. We uh, we have seen her on our screen. So today, I'm speaking to one of Australia's premier actresses, who is um, who for many of us would be she would be known for her playing the role of Irene Roberts in Home and Away. And and as of 2009, uh, I haven't even introduced your name, Lynn McGranger. I'm very very sorry. So and as of 2009, Lynn is the longest serving cast member of a television soap opera in Australia. Uh, Lynn is a massive Swan supporter and has been an ambassador for the club for a long, long time now. And unfortunately, she's a bit flat. She's not heading to the SCG every second week like she loves to do. But Lynn, thank you very much for for giving us your time today. How are you going? Uh, Thank you very much for having me, Cal. Um, I'm very excited to be here, but I'm going to correct you before we go any further. Or Ray Ma will have your guts for garters. Go on. Ray Ma is the longest serving actor on an ongoing series. Right. I'm the longest ser- serving female actor. Right, because so, what I've done, Ray- I actually deleted, I had some notes and then Wikipedia has confused me. So I've actually deleted <laughs> your, your facts are actually right because I actually deleted yes. some comments. And you've got Ray's, Ray's instead. Now, um, Ray's been there since, uh, I don't know, since Moses played bloody <laughs> fullback from Egypt. Um, he's now he's seriously been there for well third what are we eighty seven uh, God thirty seven thirty six years mm. and um, uh, is that right thirty three years anyway my maths has gone out the window I've been there for twenty seven years and he's been there for thirty two years so there you go um, but I'm still the longest running female on, um, in the southern hemisphere I think I don't know about I don't think I can compete with some of the people on Coronation Street. Some of the women there are about 110 years old, so I'm not quite that old yet. <laughs> we'll get to that, but we like to kick off our shows with uh, just ke- just checking in to see how our guests are, are handling isolation. What has it been like for you? And uh, we did chat uh, pre-recording this that you are doing a bit for Australia in regards to yes. your exercise and yes. also your drinking habits. Yes, that's right, Cal. I am exercising for Australia, so I do a boot camp most mornings. Um, I used to do it up the park, but, of course, now uh, I do that. And then I sometimes go for maybe a, you know, five, six, eight, nine K walk or run, um, mostly walk. And um, and then uh, I come home and drink alcohol. <laughs> not, not straight away. But, you know, I saw a T-shirt the other day. It had a cup of coffee, a girl running and a glass of wine. I thought, that's it. That's my life. That is my <laughs> life at the moment. What is your drink of choice at the moment? Oh, darling, I love a Tasmanian Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. So if there's anyone out there from Piper's Brook or Tamar Ridge or Devil's Corner who'd like to meet a sample, a crate or ten, send it on <laughs> over. Well, do you have an Instagram <laughs> handle they can maybe DM you at? Oh, yes, I totally do. Uh, just uh, Lynn McGranger with a tick. 
So all the uh, all the wine, beer, alcohol brands, maybe even uh, beauty, whatever you want, at yes. Lynn, at Lynn McGranger, the one with the tick, uh, we'll 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 send her whatever you can, and I'll take a the little uh, the, cut. The one with the picture of an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, far out. Yeah. Well, well uh, it's quite interesting because my, my, my partner has uh, – look, I am a professional athlete, but my partner has actually got me involved in boot camps as well. And uh, I do – every Wednesday morning, I do this thing called Barry's Boot Camp with her. And I, I went into it going, oh, yeah, like – you know, like my partner's fit, but but you know, I thought oh, I'll go into this. It's it's going to be easy, nice little thing to to do together. She absolutely whooped my whooped my cannon. I I could not believe how difficult those boot camps were. Yes, they are. Well, I've got um, my my trainer dropped off the when when the isolation happened proper. He went around and dropped off the weights, and I lucky me got two seven kilogram weights. Holy Toledo! Like. <laughs> You know, and then some of the things you're doing these, you know, the chest presses and the bloody, the you know, the, the snatches mm. and the, the, and I can only use one weight. I mean, I'm a little old lady these days. <laughs> 14, 14 kilos is like lifting a small human above your head. It's, it kills me. Because I am. Because I, I don't think personal training and doing these boot camps is that hard because the, the people we do it with, on obviously, on Instagram Live and um, Doherty, my partner, organises all that, but they just get you to do push-ups for half an hour. Oh, no, not <laughs> mine, love, not mine. You need to come to my back veranda and, and taste some of this bloody burpees, bloody a rose with, you know, push-up rows with, with weights and, oh, my God, you name it, it kills. So... And then I go for a walk and a run, like I say. But uh, and then I drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, burpees are a um, burpees are a ruckman's nightmare. But uh, oh, I hate them. I hate them. Speaking of um, the shutdown, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about about home and away and your work there. What was the shutdown like of set? And I guess the question I want to ask, like you know, how, how long can you guys not be working? Um, how many episodes do you guys have up your sleeve like before you probably have to get back working because if you don't get back working you might have to be a little bit creative over zoom and start shooting things like that (laughs) yes well um it's been four weeks since um we got the uh the email saying that it had shut down um we'd stopped filming i mean a lot of the the reason is because obviously the whole um social distancing you can't be going you yeah, can't right. be all hoochie coochie with somebody when they're standing <laughs> you know yeah. 20 foot away it just doesn't work so um obviously we had to close down oddly enough the day before we closed down i was in a car for an hour and a half with another actor you right. know literally sitting next to me um, a, a half a metre away, so, you know, the irony of it. Yeah. But um, uh, we got the no sign of when we're likely to go back. I guess, um, you know, it, we're, we're all in the same boat in that we've heard things like maybe June or maybe in four weeks' time they might, you know, bring it back a notch so that, that it's not as shut down. How that affects home in a way, I don't know. But you've got to remember that we were like smack bang in the middle of an episode. Yes. Like filming a, a block. So it's really hard for them to suddenly go, oh, well, let's do a COVID-19 series where we do, where we are interacting on Zoom or on FaceTime or, or on House Party or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
because it would just have to sit by itself, which is not, uh, you know, out of the question, I might mm. add, <laughs> but it would have to sit by itself. It couldn't um, r- refer at all to what's going down at the moment because, you know, Johnny's having a having it off with Susie, you know, but Susie's having it off with, you know, Angela and, you yeah. know, there's obviously a whole storyline woven in yes um and and those threads have to be picked up so if we did do something like you're suggesting then it would have to be a standalone thing for sure but in answer to your first question we've got no idea when we're going back Mm. at all well how many episodes would you have up your sleeve though like like i'm a bit interested in kind of how your scheduling works like how how does it work like are, are the episodes that you're let's just say you're recording an episode today Yes. When would that be released? That would be probably go to air in about five or six months. Okay. So you've okay, got five or six months up your sleeves, that what you're saying? Well, yes, that's what I thought, except that what you've got is you've got little holes in the most recent ones. For example, somebody was sick or somebody had to go and do a, fly off and go to a wedding or a funeral or something like that. So right. you've literally got holes in some of the um, episodes so they can't go to where so according to our producer we had four months in the can now that it was off air for three weeks it came back on this week so if we've got four months I guess what I don't understand is why they're not eking it out they seem to be doing four eps a week Yes. If I were a producer, and I'm not a producer's bum, so I don't even know what I'm saying this, mm. but if I were, I would eke it out so that instead of having four months, you had eight months. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, four I get week it. Instead of four a week. But that's what we've got left at the moment, Cal. We've got um, four months in the can. Interesting. Now, we'll transition into a little bit about your journey. Now, uh, I've done a little bit of research now. At the moment, a lot of parents out there are having to do homeschooling. Oh. Now, we're all out of work at the moment. Well, just for a little bit. Now, a little, uh, little birdie tells me that your, your uh, career originally started as a teacher. I, yes. Now, could you, one, how, how would you go as uh, homeschooling? And two, could, you, could, we, uh, could, you, could we get you back into the, uh, the, the teaching profession uh, as a little bit of a bit of part-time work before you go back to your main gig in Home and Away? Oh, love, I've got to tell you, um, as a teacher, I make a really good actress. I, <laughs> I reckon there's a, I a few teachers at my school that I reckon I should, I should say that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, I'm not, I'm not falsely modest and I'm telling you, I was crap. There are people walking around there, around, you know, who are – maybe 25 years younger than me because that's the age I was when I was teaching and I am really sorry to all of them. I was, I just, like, I just don't know why. I kind of fell into it. Um, I was just rubbish at it. I hated the red tape. Um, I just didn't like children. <laughs> Let's be frank here. In groups of more than one, anyway. And um, I, I guess I went to teachers' college because that's where I got into acting and drama. So I guess you 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 yes. sent places. You know, you you're supposed to be where you are, and you do things for a reason. I believe. So I think I went to teachers' college to get a love 
of theatre and acting and all of that. Um, but certainly uh, not a love of teaching or, is there or any, the capabilities of one. Is there any kind of story that you that, that, that kind of um, pops into your mind that stands out of your poor teaching ability? Oh, yes. You've got a couple of years. Um, okay. So I remember, oh, God, I'm not proud of this. I'm really not proud of this. But I remember I was, I started teaching in the middle of the year and I was teaching at, um, now was this, yeah, I think I've got this right. And I, I, these are back, this is back in the days when they used to stream the, 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 the classes. So you would have all the bright kids in one class, the next tier down, the next tier down, and then old Muggins here was stuck with, with the dumbest dog put mob. The footballers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. The kids were right into sport but couldn't, you know, do, oh, my God. Anyway, they were little shites, if you'll pardon me, and they were absolute little horrors. And I lost it one day because um, it was supposed to be the Christmas party and they were supposed to be listening and being nice and they were being little shits. And I pushed, I was so angry, I pushed a chair but it became airborne. Right. And kind of landed in the middle of the children. Because I heard because I heard on the grapevine you didn't push the chair, you picked it up and pegged it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, it's open open to interpretation. Right. All right. No, but um, that's what I mean. I just didn't have the control. I guess I wanted the kids to like me too much, whereas yeah. good teachers have that capacity to have the kids like them but want to please them. Yes. You know? That wonderful balance, I did not have that at all. And uh, I think, you know, I, I taught for a, a year or two, but I don't know why the hell I continued because I was really bad at it, Cal. Have any of the students kind of reached out to you ever since? Um, well, most of them are probably in psychiatric care. Um, <laughs> but a couple have. I've, I've bumped into a couple uh, over the years. I remember I was at Miranda Fair once. Oh, this is years ago, and this this child, young woman, came up to me and said, "Oh, hello, Miss. Do you remember me?" <laughs> I started to get twitchy, and she said, "Oh, I'm Megan. You know, me and my twin sister. You were in, we were in your class, and then the alarm bells rang. Oh, and I God, thought, you were one of those little shits. <laughs> Anywho, um, she was still around. Oh, and there was one guy I taught who. This is a serious story. Who um." Who would see this is getting going on a serious note? I was never taught how to recognize children who were being abused, okay. and we were never taught that at teachers' college, right? And um, uh, I remember there was this kid, and his name I can say it, um, he's probably around somewhere today. His name was Mark Anthony, that's not a name you forget, right? Yes. And about I don't know, maybe <clears throat> pardon me, 10 years after. He had left my care. I um, uh, he was up on a murder charge. He had murdered his father, mm-hmm. but his father had systematically abused the mother and the brothers for years, until Mark finally, you know, lost it and and took to his father with a gun or something. And but he got let off right. because he had been a victim of systematic abuse. Now that kid was in my class, and I never saw it. I was never taught to recognise it. Interesting. <laughs> so, well, it sounds yeah. like sounds like it wasn't a career for you. 
No, totally wasn't. Totally wasn't. Well, the 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 transition from teaching to um to becoming an actor is an interesting one. You said you did, uh, you had you had a heavy involvement in kind of the drama college and the theatre college. Um, yes. Well, talk to me about the transition from becoming a teacher, and then going into now what is a really long, long and successful career in acting. Okay, so I'll try and keep it down for a couple of weeks worth of explanation. No, I won't. Um, okay. So um, when I realised that teaching was not for me, I started uh, teaching um, part-time and I went to uh, a part-time drama school out at the Kew Theatre at Penrith, which started out as a lunchtime theatre in the city and moved out to Penrith under the wonderful kind of, um, I suppose, umbrella of the fabulous Doreen Warburton. Anyway, um, I became involved in that and um, that was a wonderful thing. And then um, when I graduated from that, the teaching went less and less and less and I auditioned for the Murray River Performing Group in the early 80s, um, which was connected with, I don't know if you or your listeners have heard of the Flying Fruit Fly Circus, which is a young circus, kind of like a baby circus Oz in a way. Um, And so we were involved with that and that's where I met my partner, Paul, and uh, that was in uh, 1984. And um, uh, from there, we did a lot of kind of homemade stuff down in Albury, Wodonga, formed our own comedy troupe, did rock and roll comedy, blah, blah, blah. Went down to Melbourne together. Um, I did a bit of stand-up co- comedy while I was pregnant with our daughter. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you bomb? Uh, well, sometimes I was the funniest person in the world. Other times I wanted to stick needles in my eyes because I was so bad. Um, <laughs> Footballers so, do relate to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right, right. Some nights you kick goals, other nights you exactly don't right. even make it onto the, onto the field. Um, so um, uh, our daughter was born. Oh, yeah, the reason I did stand-up comedy is because I thought no one would throw things at me because right. I was pregnant. I was wrong, okay, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but... Um, I, I got through that and we and we had our baby and um, Paul was working as a as a sound technician at this time. He's, a, he's an old muso yeah. um, and he was working as a sound tech and I was doing bits and pieces, you know, the odd TV bit, the odd play, the odd comedy, cabaret, mm. festivals. And then I auditioned. I got a – my agent rang me and said, do you want to um, – uh, audition for a part-time role on Home and Away. And I went, oh, yeah, all right, why not? May, may as well. So um, I flew up to Sydney with my uh, my baby and my parents lived up here, went for the audition, sick as a dog. I had food poisoning and I hadn't eaten for about three days. I looked like death on a stick. And uh, they went, oh, you got the role. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out that the role, the character breakdown, was thin-waisted alcoholic. Right. Winning. Um, so, so um, I don't need a script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I scored that because I was ill. If I'd have been, like, robust and healthy, I probably yes. wouldn't have got the job. Um, and that went. That was going for three or four months. Um, I think I started in the October 92 and it went across Christmas till about the February 93 and then the producer said to me, would you like to come back for, say, 12-month stint? I'm like, yeah, I totally would. (laughs) So in the August I 
we came up to Sydney as a family and rented, thinking that we're only going to be here for a year. Yeah. Because Paul's, Paul's from Albury, Wodonga. I was originally from Sydney. Um, so we rented out our house in Melbourne and then, you know, one year passed and then another two years passed and, and they kept renewing my contract. Right. I was like, I was like, oh, okay, this is a good thing. And, uh, yeah, here we are 27 years later and um, still still there. Well, how do you go actually playing? Like you've played the same same role for a long, long period of time. Like surely there comes with some challenges and you go through the ups and downs of, of you know, I, I won't put words in your ups and downs of motivation and you try and become creative and things like that. Like surely you would have some challenges along the way and – you know, the road's never smooth when you dedicate yourself to something for so long. Maybe have you experienced any challenges with, with playing this role for such a long period of time? Um, look, I've certainly experienced acting challenges, which is great because it's very easy to spend your working life going, good day, doll. Yeah. <laughs> Park your bum and I'll bung on the kettle, you know, which is mostly what I tend to say to people. And, yeah. and let's talk about your problems. But, you know, I've had to do a cancer storyline, which was very stretching. I've had to do a, uh, a – my character was abused when she was young by a family friend. That was very stretching. You know, there's been a lot of storylines along the way that I have really grappled with because, you know, in terms of life experience, if you – like more, most recently I walked in on, somebody, on, a, on a man, man trying to abuse – uh, trying to rape, basically, my a young charge who was staying with me and I nearly yeah. killed him. Like mm. I really nearly killed him, picked up a lamp and sort of bludgeoned him. You don't get a lot of life practice at that sort of thing. Yeah. So you just have to kind of trust your instinct and trust that the director will go, well, you've gone a bit, um, you, you know, a bit um, Quentin Tarantino there, Lynn. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's 7 o'clock. Um but so certainly in terms of storylines, I've had the challenges. And, and, you know, the other thing is too, and I guess this isolation has brought it home to me, is that there's been times over the last couple of years, and I've never said this publicly before, but I, there's been times when I've thought, you know, maybe, maybe I might have had enough of Irene. Maybe I'm ready to kind of just try something else a little bit mm. different. But you know what? This whole isolation thing has made me go, you know, notionally I've been retired for four weeks. Well, it sucks. Yeah. So I ain't going anywhere and I'm really looking forward to getting back to work. So it's had a real positive effect on me like that. That was actually – you've actually answered my next question because I think one of the um, questions I was going to ask you was around – over this period, have you had times where you thought, you know, like I've done this for a while, I'm thinking of, you know, going down a different journey or, or different challenge. Did that different challenge, did that look like in acting or did it look like in, um, in some completely different field or in, industry? In teaching? No, no, no. We're, we've established you were horrible at that. <laughs> um, look, I, I, it would be in acting, some uh, involved in, in some sphere, whether it was, you know, doing something online like yourself or, or whether it was, you know, trying to do a bit more theatre, uh, a bit of music, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and maybe that's still a possibility, uh, uh, you know, down the track if Home and Away continues to go, maybe I might take a, a little step backwards. I certainly 
can't see myself giving it up for good, having just not done done it for four weeks and feeling like it's been months and months and months and months. Mm. Um, but, yeah, there are other things I'd like to do, Cal. I'd, I'd love to do some more theatre. Um, I wouldn't mind a little bit of, you know, like radio chat sort of stuff. Yeah. Because you've probably gathered I can talk under wet concrete. No, we'd be a duo, <laughs> so can I. So actually we, we, we might be a bad duo because no one, no one else get a word in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so pretty much um, that's where I am at the moment. I would like to, you know, try a lot more. Other, I've done a lot of theatre. I came from theatre. I'd like to go back and do some more theatre, but I'd still like to be around Summer Bay. So with uh, with the playing group, we get um, a handful of, you know, three or four-day breaks throughout the season, and a lot of the boys, we always tend to head up towards, um, you know, Avalon, Palm Beach, a lot where basic, a lot where your show is actually set. I'm yes. actually curious to know for you: Do you even rehearse anymore, or is it just kind of like you get the script, you know your character so well, you know the people you work with so well? Are you rehearsing, or is it literally just rock up, get into it, and we'll try and get out of here? Um, well, uh, we do rehearse. What we do is we have a script rehearsal, and that's usually just to nut out. Uh, not all, not necessarily the dialogue all the time, but certainly to see, I guess, to talk about levels with the director. So what we will do is we will rehearse certain storylines. So if I'm just flitting from, from one storyline yeah. to another, I might not rehearse because I'm not vital to what's going on. But if I'm, you know, in the middle, you know, in the guts of a big storyline, then I will rehearse with the director and with the other actors who are working with me. And when I say rehearse, we sit around and we read the scripts and we talk about them. And if we perceive a problem, if we think that, oh, this isn't going to work so good, we'll go back to the writers and then they might massage it a bit for us. Or we just massage it ourselves and don't tell the writers. <laughs> it tends to happen mostly. Um, so that's we do, but we don't get up and move if that's what you're asking. Yeah, okay, fair we, enough. We sit around and have a script rehearsal and then when we get to the set at Everly or we get to Palmy, then the director will, will block it out for us, say, I want you to walk and talk and then stop on this point and turn and then we'll, we'll go in and do coverage or whatever. So... As Australians, I always love watching Australian actors, you know, start in, you know, Home and Away or another Australian television series, and then they kind of have a crack at going overseas and they just make it big. Who, who, who are the names that, uh, that you've worked with that have, that have made it overseas and, and oh. are absolutely kicking goals? Absolutely kicking goals. The gorgeous Chris Hemsworth. I oh, mean, God, like I have uh, – He's, you have a man. I love him. Oh, I absolutely I love him. Yeah. And, I, and I love his house he's building in Byron Bay. I love that. He's just, yeah, he's just, do you know what? He is the nicest human being you could ever meet. He is, it, his family base is very solid. He's very close to his brothers. His mum and dad are gorgeous. Um, they're uh, uh, Kangaroo Island or King Island, I can't remember, yeah. which was the one that, that got burnt badly. I think King Island has an amazing golf course. And I don't think people spend too much time there, so it might be Kangaroo. I, I don't think they were on the island that got burnt, though. Yeah, um, not too sure. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, that's where they're from, basically. Yeah. But they're just lovely people. And Chris, actually, I love this story. Chris, about maybe 12 months ago, we are in the diner doing our thing, and one and our, our, sec, our first AD 
uh, Liam is great mates with Chris and visits him and they, they just hang out and they're just good yeah. mates when it's in, you know, when, when uh, Chris is in town. And um, so Chris turns up at the, at the diner, like, to visit and because all the extras, their eyes are bugging out of their heads. Yeah. So you can imagine. And because Chris is going, hey, Lynn, here we go. Anyway, he's, he goes, I'm going to be an extra in the diner. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So he's, if you look very carefully at this scene, it was about a year or more ago, he's up the back eating a burger or something like that. Unreal. Pretending to be one of the extras because the, the real extras were just beside themselves. They could not believe that Chris Hemsworth was Hemsworth was there. But that's the kind of guy he is, an amazing talent, worked really hard, studied his accent even when he was on the show and was was focused without without being a knob about it, you know. He wasn't yeah. like, I'm going to be a big star. But he was literally overseas for six weeks before he landed his first role. I absolutely love hearing that of, of, of people that make it big and, and, you know, they don't have to come back and, and, and give, you know, they don't have to yeah. come back and, and give their time because they're obviously so busy with plenty of stuff going on. But that's just so good to hear. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. And look, there's others too, you know, who've made it made it really big. Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Melissa George um, has done well. Um, so has Isla Fisher, yep. of course. Um, and uh, Shani Vinson, Ryan Quentin, who was in True Blood. Yeah. Um, uh, he's done really well. Um, oh, God, the list goes on. And then there's a couple who've gone and become um, authors. Tempany Deckard, who played Selena, mm-hmm. um, she's a, a very famous author in America now. And uh, so is and Tristan Banks, who played Tug, is a, a, um, a, a famous kids author here. So lots of people, you know, are, are kicking goals, to use your terminology. Well, we, I really appreciate also you, you teeing up uh, uh, Chris and Liam to, to come on the podcast. Thank you so much for, for organising that. And I'll be, um, I've now got your phone number, so I'll be handing you flat out for that. So I really appreciate that, Lynn. Thank you so oh, much. You're very well. So um, anyway, but moving on, we've actually, uh, before we touch on the footy stuff, which is what we want to have a quick chat about, I've, uh, I've sent a few uh, messages to a few of the boys on Instagram and they've come back with some questions for you. So I hope you don't mind answering oh, a few no, of these. Not at all, not at all. Uh, Instagram questions at Luke Parker would like to know if you could take one player as a date to the TV Week Logie Awards, who would it be and why? And it can't be oh, Luke because Luke, then it can't be Luke. Luke. That's like picking your favourite child. Um, <laughs> well, my parents have got one. <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> um, do you know what? Look, I now I'd have. Do you know who I would take? Because I, I, I lo- don't get me wrong, I love all the boys, but I would take Aaliyah, Aaliyah. Aaliyah, Aaliyah, and why? Just because I think he's a, 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 a lovely human mm-hmm. and he makes me laugh and he's very warm and, uh, yeah, I just, I, I dig him, yeah. <laughs> I'll be sure to pass on that to Aaliyah, Aaliyah, but he, yeah. he has actually asked the next question. Oh, so. Uh, at Alira Leah, if Alf Stewart decided to move on from Home and Away, Home and Away, which player would you cast for his role and why? Oh, which player? Which, as in which actor? Pardon? Is that what he no, which, which actor? Which player from um, from the Sydney Swans oh, would I'm you cast you. in his another. role and why? It can be a past player as well. Okay. Um, oh, who would make a good? 
a good alf. Um, sort of calls a spade a front end loader. Um, he's, um, uh, he's what you see is what you get. Um, maybe, I don't know, God. Um, tough one. How, yeah, uh, maybe horse. <laughs> yeah, he'd be a good Alf Stewart, actually. And, and he, yeah. he actually has just shaved his head, horse. Has he? Yeah, he has. Yeah, isolation's got to him and he's shaved his uh, head. I got bored. <laughs> <laughs> At Sam yeah. Reed wants to know, is there any rivalry between the cast and crew of Home and Away and Neighbours? Oh, Sam, we were just talking about you earlier. I'm, I'm hope you're getting well, you're, you're healing and you'll be back on board. Um, he will right. if you answer this question. Okay. <laughs> Um, do you know what? Absolutely not. Oh. And I'll tell you why. I know everybody wants to hear that we do, but we don't. And I'll tell you why. Because, yes, we're on separate channels, but we're on at different times. So you can watch Neighbours and you can watch Home and Away. Mm-hmm. Also, they're both really successful Australian products and we're proud of them. And they're, they're a vehicle for Australian actors and writers and directors and producers. And often our directors... Will 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 vacillate between the two shows. So you know they go down to the neighbours for three months, come back to us for three months. Same with the writers and some of the actors. You might have noticed. Yes, have dribbled on down or come up. Mm. You know, I say down and up as in Victoria's south of of, of New South Wales. <laughs> not 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 neighbours is lesser than than Home and Away. So there is no rivalry. I tell you what, we've seen some epic Swans moments over the years. How about Isaac's Mark of the Year in 2018? Or Nick Davis' goal in an 05 semi-final against Geelong? Or who could forget Kappa's 10-goal game in 86? As our partner for over 34 years, QBE Insurance has been part of countless big moments, and so have you. That's why QBE is giving you the chance to create and share your QBE Swan story. Visit qbeswanstory.com.au and complete a short quiz to receive a personalised video featuring some of those big moments and more. Jump onto qbeswanstory.com.au today. I do have a question a little bit on rivalry. If we just go back a little bit to what we spoke about before, um, actors from either Home and Away or Neighbours that go on to make it big, have you ever noticed a bit of like rivalry or jealousy in that industry for, you know, between, you know, um, colleagues and co-stars, you know, one might get an opportunity overseas. And I could imagine it's a very, very competitive industry, just like football is. Look, I think you're right. Yes, it is. Um, I think it's possibly more, um, more. it exists more with the younger ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, you get personalities in all walks of life, don't you? So whether you're an actor or a footballer or a shopkeeper, you know, there's people you work with that think you're a dickhead or you think they're a dickhead. I mean, it's just, it's life. Um, So that exists, of course, although there's not a lot of it in Home and Away, unless I'm the dickhead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which may be wrong. Um, But uh, I think... um, I haven't witnessed it, but I've heard about it. I know it does exist. And it is a rivalry. It's a like, oh, why should she get the role? Because she's not a good, as good a, an actor as I am. It's just because she's had a nose job or she's got big boobs or I don't know, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, that would exist. But 
it that's a um on a very surface level and i'd like to think that the, the kids in home and away wouldn't behave like that yeah i don't know it's always just a little thing that i've been quite interested in because i know just through um a few friends that are that are in the acting game and entertainment game how competitive it is for roles particularly even overseas i can imagine there's so much um, limited opportunity and i'm not sure what the stats are but they always say that you know the majority of them you know fail or don't make it so it's um i know just they do yeah Yeah. the 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 failure rate is enormous i guess it's a bit like footy you know you've got to be at the top of your game all the time and you know you you can't you can't let it slip, and nor can you change your physical appearance, as in your height. Yes. Or, you know, so if you're a little dude, and you want to play, you know, Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you yeah. know, it's not going to happen. You've got to. Um, but the same as in footy, if you're t- if you're little, you're not going to get a job with the you know the tall boys. Speaking of footy, let's have a chat about your favourite memory that sticks out. Uh, since you've been supporting the Swans, now I know you've got a handful, um, oh. and I'm going to exclude premierships. I'm going to I'm going to say you can't because oh, okay. everyone everyone always says premierships, and it's a real obvious okay. one. But what are what's one or two memories that that, that really stick out to you uh, since supporting the Swans? Okay, um, I was I, I I went through this with my uh, my partner this morning because uh, it was the date thing. So we were overseas. It was April 2015. Mm-hmm. First round against Essendon. And we were overseas at a wedding. And, of course, I think it was a Saturday, might have been a Saturday night game here, so it was Saturday morning. And um, we were playing Essendon and we were getting absolutely creamed. Like we were, I think, four goals down in the first quarter. In the second quarter we were, um, you know, we were kicking like, well, we kicked one point in the first quarter and by the second quarter we were one one goal seven. Third quarter we were six goals down. We were absolutely rubbish. And then in the fourth quarter hmm. we kicked, well, the finishing score was 10-12 to 9-6. So in the last quarter Essendon got nothing, <laughs> big fat zero, and we kicked nine goals four. Mm-hmm. It was like they went off and there was some drug in their oranges. I don't know. But they just <laughs> well, they might have been in the uh, bombers at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, might have had the bor- they might have had the bombers oranges. They might have got confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Well, it was the bombers. So <laughs> it, was, yes. it was Essendon. So I remember us waking up on the morning of the wedding and Paul going, oh, my God, Father, this is terrible. And then as the morning progressed, suddenly we caught up, we caught up and we bloody won. It was like it was like they changed the teams around at three-quarter time. It was nuts. So that was a very strong thing, a very strong memory, also because it was a wedding in England that we were at. So that sort of sticks in our mind. And the other one is also a game against Essendon. And this was when um, uh, Gary Rowan yes. took the mark. Yeah, the one hand on yep. the goal line, on the bloody, oh my God, father! And that, but that game was seen neck and neck. Yes, but that that was a wonderful game. Um, that was in July two thousand and seventeen, I think. And I still love that. Uh, still love Gary Rowan. Still in in touch with Gary, yeah. and uh, and his beautiful family. And um, and the other one is the respect round 
yes. in 2015. Oh, my God. Um, we were there. And, it, you know, and I think it was in the third quarter, seventh minute of the third quarter, and the whole of the ground just yeah. erupted. And it oh, just it makes, oh, I can feel myself getting all teary thinking about it. Mm. It was just that solidarity round. It was a terrible, terrible era for Australian football, a terrible era. Mm. And, and um, uh, you know, and even now there's people, I won't mention names, that you just go, you just don't get it, do you? You yeah. do not get it. You're an, an absolute knob of a human. Mm. Um, and that to, for that to happen, and I think even the Adelaide supporters, because I think it was a game, yeah, it was a Crows game against yeah. the Crows, even they stood up uh, and it was just... Wonderful! It was humanity at its best, and and that just has always stayed with me. That you know, mm. and and of course, when we've beaten Hawthorne, <laughs> anytime, <laughs> anytime we've beaten Hawthorne. And what about players? Who, if you had to nail it down to a couple of players that have oh. stood out and had an impact on you? I know you. I know you said it's like uh, they're all your children, but if there was a couple out there that uh, that you could adopt, uh, who would that be? <sighs> Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, Goodsy. 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 Goodsy one. Uh, Mickey O. Goodsy. They're thick as themes, those two as well. Oh, I love them. And they're so lovely. I know like, they're hilarious. They're <laughs> wonderful. Um, do you know, oh, I have to tell you this story, Cal, before getting onto players. Um, my partner, Paul, said to tell you mm -hmm. um, that you can thank him for coming to the Swans because the year that you came over, and and Jeddah went back to West Coast. Yes. We said to our good mate uh, Pete, who's a West Coast supporter, Paul said to him, "Look, tell you what, I'll do you a deal. You take Jeddah, we'll take Callum Sinclair, yeah. and it happened. So you're welcome. No worries yeah. at all. <laughs> I'll be sure to send him a send him a gift basket for that. Thank you. Yes, something um, some isolation goodies to get him through this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I look, of course. Like, of course, buddy. Um, of course. Um, oh God, this is awful. Um, you know, um, <laughs> Isaac, Isaac, and 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 Luke Parker, and yourself, and Sam Reed, and 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 Lizard Bobby Man, Skilton, <laughs> and Bobby Skilton. Yeah, I actually wasn't following the Swans when he um, when he was playing. I didn't start following them until really until our daughter was born. So she's 29 now. Um, but I tell you who else was, of course, Plugger. Yeah. We were at the game. We are at the game when he got his bazillionth goal um, and uh, and he's great. It's not – it's funny, isn't it? He's not uh, – doesn't exude an enormous amount of personality. No, not quite. No, I'm sure – I'm sure he speaks highly of me, but <laughs> I just, you know, he's he's what he is, and and he is who he is. Yeah. But uh, he is a great player. Um, oh man, I'm going to get off here and go. Damn it! I should have mentioned this person, yeah. that person, and and Papley, and and um, you know, all the young ones coming up. I just, oh, just we're so lucky. We have such a great team, and Leah, Leah. Yeah, I think I think Plugger is an interesting one because the you know. We're surrounded by Buddy every single day, and we and you know we get the box the uh, the box set to see him perform. But I do never forget when I think Plugger came back to the club for about a you know a three month period, and he just helped us out with a couple of the a couple of the forwards, and he came to a few training sessions um, a couple of times a week, and 
helped us out. I never forget the day that he kind of came into the club and it was literally like, well, like, oh my god, that's Tony Lockett. Like all these players that have played two hundred plus games and Buddy sitting there playing three hundred. You know, even even those guys were like, guys, that's uh, that's Tony Lockett just over there. Like it was, yeah, we're still in awe of him whenever we see him. But how how did you recognize him? I I couldn't believe. I didn't. I actually Lockett. didn't recognize him. I, I, I honestly did not. When when, when when he was like, oh, this is Tony, I was like, oh, okay, mate, how are you? And then I sat down and someone goes, oh, so you met Plugger? And I'm like, who? Where? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, look, behind that skinny guy over there. Exactly right. But in, God, um, I couldn't believe it. In our industry, Lynn, you know, we, we, we all have these incredible, you know, we, we always aim to have these, you know, when we're ch- kids, kids, children, whatever we are, the, the things that you hate. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't hate them. I just hate teaching them. Fair enough. So in our industry, we all, you know, we all aim to have these, you know, amazing fifteen-year careers, play three hundred games, premierships, medals, all this, yada yada yada. But but for someone like yourself, you've dedicated twenty-six years to a specific craft. Oh, is that a? What are you playing there, Doctor? I don't know what's happened. This is so peculiar. Hang on a minute. I don't even have music on my. I must have pressed the wrong button. Bit of a okay. Dell there. A bit, a bit of a Dell. Right. <laughs> I'll ask the. <laughs> what the hell? I'll ask the question again. But <laughs> yes, so we all no, we all aim to have these fifteen-year careers. You play three hundred games. You got brown lows, medals, premierships. That's everything that we all want. The reality is not everyone can do that. But someone like yourself, you've dedicated twenty-six years to a craft. Um, I don't know what if what lessons or advice or kind of similarities you can you can kind of share that. What does it take to kind of have a, a successful career, but not only that, um, a real dedicated, specific career like you have? Like, what is some advice that you could kind of give to to anyone out there that is really kind of you know going after something? And I, and I hope that question makes sense. Yes, it does. Uh, thanks, love. Um, I think obviously the huge difference between what you guys do and what I do is it's about with you guys, it's more about youth and physical fitness and prowess. And unfortunately, the older you get, the less capable you are of doing what you could do 20 years ago. It's just a yeah. fact of life. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Goodsey was, what was Goodsey? He was 36, 37 or something yep. like that when he retired. That's getting on, isn't yeah. it? And I think maybe Boomer Harvey might have been. 40, something like that. Mm. I can't remember. Um, So you don't really get much more out of your football career than that. And I guess then you have to decide, well, am I going to go into broadcasting or maybe I'll go into, uh, um, you know, sports sports science or or whatever, training, you know, um, being a coach, whatever. Um, So... That is, that's, you know, that's that side of things. As far as an actor goes, and particularly on a show like Home and Away, as I've aged, my character has obviously aged. Yeah. So and my character has got to live a life of 27 years as, as uh, and Lynn has lived that life in that 27 years. Yeah. So that is the, the obviously the stark difference. Um, as an actor, if I weren't on a show like Home and Away, I would just have to adapt. I would just have to be going, well, you know, I'm not 35 anymore, so chances are I'm not going to be able to play, you know, Juliet. 
Yeah. Not that I ever did. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? That I'll, I'm yeah. going to have to play the nurse. I'm going to mm. have to audition for the nurse in Romeo and Juliet. Um, that's what you have to do. You have to learn to adapt. And I think that's the same with, with any career, is that whether that is, uh, you know, something that's a physical adaptation, like you have to adapt your body growing old like a footballer does and start thinking about what, what would I like to do next? Obviously, I can't be leaping around like a crazy person when I'm 45. Mm. My body just won't do it anymore. Um, what would I like to be doing? I think, you know, really sitting down and, and uh, having a good conversation with yourself and other people who have been through the same thing yeah. and just deciding where your interests lie next because I think you can come down real hard and real flat and we've seen it in the rugby league community in particular, mm. that if you don't have anything, if you don't have a backing, if you don't have a something else that you're good at, something else that you love to do, then you can find yourself in a real pickle. And uh, so, yeah, I guess my advice would be uh, sit down, have a conversation with yourself and others, decide what you think will be the next step in your career, whether in your uh, whether it is acting or whether it is footy, um, and uh, yeah, and be practical, and um, and then get maybe you know study for it or get help for it or or um, you know learn. Yeah, go go out and not be afraid to to learn another skill. I think well, uh, I think that that's something that really stood out to me was the the word adaptable. I spoke to uh, Lewis Roberts Thompson, and, and he 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 said oh, to uh, he said he's to me, on my list. Yeah. He's on my list. He yeah. said to me that that he had to over his entire football career, every single season or off season or pre season, he would have to change and adapt his game every single year in order to last. Like he noticed that you know after six seven years, he couldn't do what he wanted to do. He couldn't train how he wanted to train as a 20-year-old when he's 27, 28. Yeah. So he, yeah. um, he's a really good example of that kind of um, adapting every single year, whether it be what position you play, um, how you do your training, um, what you're doing off-field. So I thought he was um, – he probably, you know, yeah. is a real supporter of kind of what you said about adaptability. So, so Cal, what is he doing now? Uh, he runs a business with – I think he's in, a, he's in a family business. He does something with uh, – uh, telecommunication towers. So I think he's doing okay. really, really well. And um, right. not so too... we always obviously had that as a sideline anyway. Yeah. Um, I think that's not a bad a bad idea is to have other interests. Mm. I mean, we all want to be as good as we can in our in our field, but nothing lasts forever. You know, not mm. even home and away. So. <laughs> well, speaking about being good in your field, do you still watch your shows and do you critique your performances or do you find it hard to do that now? Look, um, to be honest, unless it was said something really big, like I watched the bludgeoning stuff that was on earlier last year and the court case and all of that because it was a really big storyline and I watched it and, I, and, of course, I'm critical and I watched the television and I go, I don't look like that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I look like Heidi Klum. I don't get this. <laughs> this lighting is shit. <laughs> <laughs> but are you are you critical of yourself? Yes. Oh God, yeah. yes. But most look, I I don't think an actor's worth their salt if they're not. Yeah. Sometimes we can be overcritical, and that's um uh, that's not good either. I think mm. you've got to 
I, I think you've just got to be fair on yourself. You've got to sit back and go, yeah, okay, that was all right. Did you believe it? Did it move you? And if it moves you or it moves somebody that you're in the lounge room with, then you've done your job if you've taken people on a journey, you know, and that's what our job is. Now, I do want to finish on just one last topic, which which is uh, particularly recent. Uh, you recently appeared on a documentary about Ben Cousins and then yes. the storyline in regards to that was how Ben um, had reached out to you. Can you give us some background about kind of what occurred there and kind of how how that kind of came about? Okay, uh, sure. It was very peculiar. Um, I, I go over to West Australia every year, I uh, go over to the Perth Telethon, have for yep. years, and I've, they've kind of adopted me. Um, and I love it over there. And, and my best mate, as I say, our best mates who come from WA, um, you know, West Coast supporters. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but um, I go over there every year and I became mates, I've become mates with Basil. Zemplis. Basil Zemplis, yep. Yeah, and only through there, you know, and obviously Channel 7 and whatnot. Anyway, end of last year, I got this text from Basil, you know, saying, hi, it's me, uh, I've got a really unusual request. Um, I'm doing this documentary um, about Ben Cousins and he has written you a letter and uh, can I send it to you? And, of course, I knew Ben's background, you know, I think there isn't a person in Australia who hasn't, you know, willed him yeah. to get better. Um, so I said yes, and he said if you feel inclined to respond, that would be great. Uh, so I, um, uh, he sent me the letter. He sent it via text and I think it was t- or did I get it? I can't remember if I actually got it in the flesh. No, because otherwise I would have kept it. No, it would have been on a text or an email. And... Um, and he, basically, he, you know, Ben just reached down and said, you know, I'm, I don't know if you know me, and blah blah blah, what I've been through. But I, I saw, um, I, I, what did he say? He said, I haven't watched much television for many years because I'm trying to get better. Mm. But um, I have, um, I recently saw you on the Ladies' Night show. Now that was the one that we did for breast cancer. Yes, yes, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, and so he saw me and they must have shown a clip of me with Belinda Emmett, lovely Belinda who passed away with breast cancer at the age of 30. Um, and I knew Belinda, I was in the makeup room with her when she talked about the lump that she'd found in her breast. Anyway, for whatever reason, that must have touched something in Ben and he reached out and I thought, wow, that is just so random. So... Anyway, I wrote back to him and I said, look, I, of course I know who you are and I tried to be encouraging and, uh, you know, told him to have faith and, you know, use his friends and his family and, you know, clamber back and all of that. So um, I guess that was pretty much it, Cal. Uh, I, yeah. It's just really random. I had never met him. I'd never spoken to him. But for some reason he was moved by Irene or, you know, something, maybe he saw something in the character that moved him and, uh, of course, uh, apparently Baz must have encouraged it because he hadn't really reached out to anyone 
Um, yeah. But oh god, it's so sad. And I watched this. I watched it, and I just thought, man, you were such a star. Yeah. You know, but but did he get? Was it a case of too much too soon? I mean, who knows? Well, I think I speak for everyone that we hope um, Ben does make a. Oh God, a miraculous yeah. recovery and, and, and get back to you know contributing you know not only to the to the game in a positive way but just the community in general because I think oh. everyone I think Basil he summed it up quite well um, after that documentary when he said that you know everyone will um, applaud you and, and they want you to win the battle so look fingers oh, crossed that totally. it does because you see the the highlight packages of him and, and, and when he speaks you know uh, publicly that you know he. He does have a great deal to offer. So, uh, yes. yeah. It, it's an awful thing, addiction. Um, I I was addicted to cigarettes once and yeah. I've been able to give up. I haven't smoked now for, oh, gone. Yeah. Um, haven't smoked now for 15 years. I haven't touched a cigarette in 15 years. But even something like cigarettes, which people go, oh, that's not an addiction. It is. It's yeah. an addiction. Nicotine's an addiction. Um, I can't even begin right. to imagine what hideous chemicals are like so um you know he's got a tough road ahead of him and hopefully he has the support and hopefully you know he he is able to see his family because i think that will real you know his children that will really help him through because well we all know how important the support of family and friends is Lynn, we'll end our episode on uh, a bit of a positive note. What we like to do, yes. what we like to do, is get our guests to just do a nice little kind of closing summary at the end. There's a fair bit of people going through a particularly tough time at the moment, not only with just being cooped up at home, but also kind of in regards to whether their employment, their home life, things like that. So, just a few final thoughts, um, advice, thoughts, positivity from you. Okay, Cal. Um, Well, I would just like to say to everyone, uh, be positive. Nothing lasts forever. Mm -hmm. Um, Not even Richmond premierships. (laughs) Um, And I would really, really um, think that we are going to get through this. I think in a couple of months we'll be having another conversation completely um, that we will have, you know, um, that some of the, the, uh, the tougher laws will be lessened off a little bit. I want ask people to be kind and to be generous and to be um, gentle with each other. Yell over the back fence, see if somebody needs something, um, and uh, get out, go for a walk. Beautiful time of year; you can't go wrong. Autumn, and uh, yeah, just um, just be kind to yourself and remember, nothing lasts forever. Thank you very much, Lynn. And you're going to get three thank yous. Thank you one for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you for organising Liam and Chris to come on the podcast oh. this season. Thank you once again for that. And thank you for my upcoming role in Home and Away. Thank oh. you for, for that. Much appreciated. Lynn, thank you once again. That's a fourth thank you. But uh, you're listening to Conversations with Cal brought to you by QBE Insurance. Thanks, Lynn. Thanks, Lau.